Welcome to the MC Podcast. My name is Scott Harris, and uh, today we're going to be kind of tackling a, a very tough topic. Uh, been a while since I've been back on the podcast, but uh, I'm going to be hosting this podcast regularly. We uh, definitely appreciate you taking the time to listen. We've got a great guest with us, uh, Bruce J. Van Steeg with Van Steeg Consulting. will be here. Uh, we're going to be taking a dive into a tough question that a lot of dairy farms are facing uh, throughout the U.S. is have I hit my ceiling or is it time to get out or can I make some changes and break through to that next level? And so it's it's important to know that for every dairy to make sure they're examining their structure, their staff, their strengths, their weaknesses, cash flow, and meetings. And so we want to make sure that they are using everything that's at their uh, fingertips. And so we're going to tackle this with Bruce and bring him in. Welcome to the MC Podcast. My name is Scott Harris. My whole life in dairy farming. Grew up in it. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Appreciate that very much. It's been exciting to watch you guys work. <laughs> Bruce, we appreciate you coming in and sitting down with us and talking to us this morning. Uh, and how are you this morning? I'm great, man. It's great to be with you guys, and it's a uh, great topic. It's one I really love to dive into. Well, first of all, let me say this: this comes. We got this idea from reading your article um, in Progressive Dairy, and so it was a. It caught the the topic caught my attention, um, but then when I actually read the article, it really grabbed hold of me because it's one of the things that we're hearing a lot from customers um, is this whole issue so but before we dive in completely why don't you tell us who you are kind of what you do and, and kind of your company's role okay so um i would like to start with you know i'm the uh, i'm the husband to marie and we've been married for 32 years and four great adult kids that that's really the basis for who i am and where i start from you know a man of faith and my my work background is is, a, is unique so I started off in uh, the industry as a veterinarian. <clears throat> so I've been a dairy veterinarian for a lot of years, but I practiced actively for 15. And then I decided it was time for a change, you know, kind of that ceiling thing and what did I, what I want to go do. And so partnered up with another gentleman and we built a brand new dairy in Colorado. So I've had the experience of construction, design of a, of a dairy facility. We milked 3,500 cows. I got to train everybody, hire everybody. So kind of get to go through the whole process of how a dairy works. So I get the animal health side and whatnot. And then as some partnerships go, it's time to end that one. So I moved into the corporate world. So then I got a chance to really experience a large corporate environment, right? And with a global animal health company, I ran uh, a regional sales area from uh, basically Texas all the way to the West Coast. Met a lot of farmers, was on a lot of dairies, and really got to learn more like what a corporate structure looks like and what business roles in that kind of environment, which is very different than, you know, a family dairy farm. And then uh, I realized that I really like being self-employed and I really wanted to help people and in, in a diff different way that didn't relate to some sort of product, but just help them expand and grow, help them help their employees, really build communities. And this consulting piece just is a great fit for me. And so, you know, so what I do is I, I you know, well, the theme of my business, what I live for every day is improving people's lives one business at a time. And that's what we do, right? So we go out and we ask the question, 
What are you looking for? Where do you want to go? What does winning look like? It's one of my favorite questions. Mm. And when you kind of get at that, when you finally understand what people are, what, what winning looks like for them, and it's different for everybody, right? Everybody's got a different outcome they want. Well, then we know where to go, right? That gets so that's like your true north. That's, you know, we get there, that's what we want to go do. And that forms a basis then for the rest of the plan and, and, and how we go about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great, that's a great segue because, you know, I think the question for all of us in life is what does winning look like for us? That is a really good point. And, you know, I think so many dairies um, are may, may be stuck in this uh, spot of, well, I'm doing this because that's what dad did or that's what grandpa did. And, I don't know that I have a passion for this. And so there's an obligation there instead of maybe a passion. And so it doesn't mean they need to necessarily quit or give up or, or not, you know, make a transition. But the, you, what your article brings up here is, is it time to do that? You know, and that's what we're going to kind of dive into. And so a uh, great segue there. Uh, so we're going to kind of go through the, the points that you have in the article. There's five points in this article. Um, and uh, you, you know, you kind of, scratch an itch for me because this is an area, you know, I come from a financial background before going into ag. And so uh, some of the stuff you're bringing up, I think uh, dairies, a lot of dairies struggle with the business side of their business. Um, mm-hmm. And it's becoming more and more of a, of a, of an issue and something they need to be looking at. So just, let's just jump in here. So your one of your first points is the results and the business organization structure. Give me just a few highlights of what you're referring to there. So it kind of comes back to what winning looks like. What are the outcomes you're looking for? That's kind of the results, right? And results can be, has, has a couple different meanings, but in, in this case, it's what are the results that you're looking for? And once you kind of de- can determine that, right, then that, that feeds into, okay, what's your mission statement? What are your core values? Because that's what's important to you. And, and I really don't get any further with most clients unless they know those things, because otherwise we're just, kind of fixing things, right? We don't really ever get at the real issue and really where they want to go. So once you once you know those pieces, then you look at their organization and you take a look and you say, okay, well, what's the structure now? And most dairy farms are what I call very flat structure. There's one guy in charge and everybody reports to them. So when they don't have anything to do, what do they ask? What do I do now? What do I do now? Well, you can only handle so many what do I do nows in a day before you do what a lot of business owners do and they run to town to get parts. They spend a lot of time on a tractor, right? They don't want to be engaged with their people and they don't know how to get it rolling. And so it takes some sort of structure because people, people are looking for clarity. Owners are looking for clarity. Where do I want to go? Employees are going, what do you want me to go do? What are your expectations of me? And so you need a structure. It doesn't have to be like real hierarchical. It can be fairly flat or it can be more, it just depends on you and your style how engaged you want to be in your business. Do you want to be a little less engaged? And so those are all things we have to determine, you know, as we walk into this process to go, what is it going to look like? What fits your style of management or how do you need to grow in your style of management so that your company can be unleashed and go to where you want it to go? And those are two kind of foundational pieces that we need to know before we get in the meat of everything else. Yeah. So I bet you would find a lot of, uh, dairies, at least your uh, mid to smaller size dairies, where the owner doesn't know business side necessarily at all, but they love cows. They love being the guy out. You know, they'll, they'll drive the newer truck. They just love doing that stuff. 
And I think your point is is so good in the aspect of that's fine. If, if that's the structure you want, that's fine. But let's have a structure. Let's make sure everybody on this team knows how this organization operates. Fair enough. Yeah, because yeah, it's, it's funny. Sometimes we want something, but we want it all one way. And life just doesn't work that way. Right. If you yeah. want to have a bigger business and generate more income, you know, milk more cows because you love cows. Well, you have to have employees. Like, well, I'll go and use robots. Well, fine, you can use robots, but then, then the dairy service company has to have more employees. Somebody's going to have more, or you have to milk a certain number of cows. So that's the trade-off. You want to milk more cows, you get more employees. Right. And so, that brings up a, a great a great point. And to your second point is talking about employees, you 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 ask the question or make a statement, right people, right seats. I love that comment. That's just a we often will have, we'll have a, a team of people and pretty you see somebody's good at something. Maybe they're good at pulling calves. Maybe they're good at treating cows. And the next thing you know, you need somebody to kind of step up and do the next level of thing, which usually involves supervising some people. So we just go, hey, Bob's really good at this. Let's make him this new supervisor guy. And he has no experience leading people, no experience managing people. And those two things are very different. And so now we've just elevated him to his level of incompetence and he's in the wrong, you know, he's the wrong seat. He may be a good, so right, you know, the whole concept of right people, that's people who understand believe and buy into your core values. Cause if we're working with people who don't have the same core values, you're not going to enjoy working with them. Right. You, so you've you not know, only, yeah, you've not only hurt your organization, you've hurt Bob. You put him oh, yeah. in the wrong spot. Put in the wrong spot. So the first thing we I always tell you, you know, because we don't typically hire well, especially in the last several years as labor's gotten tighter and it's you know it's even harder now. And so I've heard a lot of comments from dairymen. Hey, if they pull up in a clean car, I'll hire them. If they just show up, I'll hire them. And no doubt we need people. And I get you got to fill open spots, but you got to fill them with the right kind of people, people who fit your organization, who fit your philosophy, because then you'll enjoy working with them. Because otherwise what happens is you don't enjoy working your own business because you don't enjoy the people you're working with. Yeah. And then you got to figure out well, what the seats are. And the little seats goes back to the organization. Once you understand what kind of organization you need, what kind of structure it is, hey, I need X number of milkers. I want milkers to function like this. I need X number of herdsmen. Herdsmen are going to be maternity. They're going to be fresh cows. They're going to be breeding. I need a guy who can feed. Well, like, like for me, I always tell my clients, I go, you do not want Bruce to milk cows. I can do it. I understand. I can teach you. I will get so bored working on a rotary that I'll go nuts and I will all begin to not do a very good job because I want the heck out of there. But you put me in a situation where things are changing and there's, you know, there's movement. I can make decisions and there's uh, challenges to take care of. I'm all over it. So you have to put me in the right place. I'll excel. And that's what we need to look at. What kind of person do we need? What's the seat we need? And then go higher to that. And that doesn't just happen overnight. It takes effort. But once you learn that recruiting, hiring, onboarding process, then life gets a lot, lot better. Yeah. So what you're, what you're really referring to in this at the end of the day is evaluation. You know, I, I just recently did evaluations with my employees here and, uh, I love evaluations. I mean, I just think they are one of the most underutilized or done incorrectly tools that we have in business. Um, because if done correctly, they should be great conversations between you 
your employee and your employee to you on an, on an evaluation of how you're doing, how they're doing, and are we all on the same page? And so that's really what we're talking about here. And, you know, I, how many dairies out there really sit down to do evaluations with their employees? I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there is some uh, for sure. I mean, I, but I bet there's not a ton. Uh, I can tell you all the ones I work with do now. That's great. <laughs> but they do awesome. before, right? You know, yeah. but, but remember, it's not really that you're talking about evaluation once I have them. I'm talking about, in addition, what we forget is how do I evaluate people before I ever hire them? How do I ask mm-hmm. the right questions to discover, are they, if your core value is honesty, okay? Or like in my business, the core value is we care. We care for others and we care for our business. Well, how do I find out if they care for things, right? If they're going to steal pencils or steal toilet paper or they're going to break tractors, right? Find that stuff out as best you can, hire that way. And then the next step is, yes, the evaluations you're talking about, right? And some people hate them because, well, I got beat over the head with my evaluation. Well, that's a poor evaluator. Yeah. Right. It's a conversation, right? It's like, Hey, how do we, how do we get better? How do we, how do we move this organization forward? And with you being part of it and people go, Oh, really? I can be part of your organization. I got, I got career. I can develop in my career, man. You just changed that person's life. Right. And they're, they're, they're in. And now you've bought loyalty. Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, everybody has a skill, right? Everybody has things that they're talented at, Mm -hmm. good at, but everybody has things they're not good at, you know, and you hit on that. And that's what we're going to evaluate. We're going to do a true self-evaluation, you know, like you said, before we hire and then even then after as well. So good yep. point. And so as part of that, uh, from a value, kind of, kind of transitioning here, evaluation, um, you, you talk about SWOT and the four perspectives. Uh, SWOT is a term I'm familiar with, uh, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, correct? And so... Yep. Um, you know, every business, if you're not, if you're listening to this, you own a business or you're part of a business, they need to be doing SWAT for sure. Um, what does it look like from a dairy side? Tell, talk to us a little bit about SWAT and the four perspectives. So I, I learned about the four perspectives from a friend of mine years ago, and it was like transformational in my business. And so there are four great questions. You ask yourself, what's, what's broken here? What's working here? So what are the things that are working well, right? What's missing? What's confused? And when you do that with the owners or senior management, and then oftentimes down into the employees, you just learn an incredible amount about a business and where its bottlenecks are and what's what needs to be fixed or tweaked or repaired in order to get it on a real strong cultural and you know foundation. Then the SWAT piece then is more about, okay, a little more visionary, where are we going with this thing, right? So it's just, there's similar questions, but they attack it from a different area. So you get a more well-rounded look at a business when you do both. And they both take a lot of time, you know, it's not something you just kind of go, eh, we're gonna do a SWOT analysis today. I don't know, you, you come in prepared, you know, it's gonna be a half a day to a day, and you're diving into this thing and really getting it to the core and the heart of what's going on so you can make good decisions about your future. And what you need to do, what's working again, you need, and we often forget to celebrate what, what are, what are the wins in our organization? You know, I was with the business yesterday and you start with the wins and it's powerful how encouraging that is to go, man, we, we decided this in the past and look where we are today. And the SWAT gives you that on the strength side for perspectives, gives you that on the what's working side. And then you can move into, all right, what do we need to do to keep this thing rolling? And um, 
they're just great questions, but they, you know, but you got to sit down and ask them. And very few of us take the time to sit down and ask ourselves those questions, write the responses down, and then do something about it, right? That execution piece is the next big piece to get to move forward with those. Yeah, I, I really like the four perspectives. I'm glad you explained that. I had, I had like I said, a little familiarity with SWAT, but not had not heard of the four perspectives. And I think you just uh, helped my business. <laughs> so uh, that's a great question. You know, I, I think the key part of that, I forget what exact word you used, but basically what, you know, I think so many times we look at it as it's either good or bad. Well, sometimes it just might need change. It's not necessarily bad. It just might need to be different. And so... Um, that's a that's a great point. So, um, so as we kind of kind of keep transitioning here, when we talk about one of the areas that we want to definitely be looking at, and this is probably the area that's going to speak volumes to a lot of these guys, is cash flow. Um, what drives it? You know, why does it matter? You know, um, this is an area that I think probably we deal with a lot on the seed side of the business. Uh, hmm. because, you know, when do I, do I take advantage of prepay? Uh, do I, you know, lose access to cash to, to gain an advantage from the seed side, you know, cost side? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what, what are the main things you're looking at when you're talking about cash flow with your customers, with your clients? So try to take a holistic view because it, it's, it's my opinion. Like, you know, I tell clients that there is no cow problem on a dairy that doesn't have a human attached to it. So if we're going to generate more income or more margin, preferably, right, what's, what's holding us back? So you try to look at, analyze your cash flow, analyze the financials, where is it at? And we often get hung up with, we're going to benchmark with other people and we're going to look at our cost of labor per hundred weight. And because the dairy business is, is a business that really can't control their price, but they control their costs, we're going to call we're trying to lower our labor costs, which may be the, totally the wrong thing to go do. It may be the right thing to go do, but it's better to ask, where are the efficiencies? And I can tell you from work with clients for years now that most employees on a farm are, are unengaged. Some of them are actively disengaged and they're hurting your business, but you need a body. And the, the amount of productivity you can get out of, a, out of an employee who is excited to come to work, who understands where you're trying to go with your business and where their place is in it drastically changes, you know, the picture. So, you know, if you take a look at your P and L and you look at how many of the categories do people actually touch and affect, right? And on the, on the expense side, it's right around 84, 85% on the income side. If your dairy is primarily into cattle and milk, it's about 98%. You know, unless you have leases or mineral rights or something like that. Um, so people have a huge impact on how much money we make you know, or how many dollars we generate, you know, how many pounds of milk are sold. And so it, you can't just look at like, you know, the first things we talked about, we're all about organization and people get a little frustrated with that because I'm not making money or I want to make more money. And so just get me to the cash flow side. But they're, they're so incredibly tied together. And we've been taught in business to focus on things like technology, banking, finance. And those things are all a little bit easier to deal with. But when it comes down to people, because, you know, you made a comment earlier in the podcast, right? You know, dairymen really like to be with their cows. And really, there's no dairyman that 
started off in the dairy business going, I want to hire more people. So I think I'm going to go milk cows so I can hire people. Right. It's just work that way. Doesn't work. Like and, um, but people are the, are the really the greatest advantage any business has because it's truly the only competitive advantage left because we all have access to, like, you will sell corn seed to anybody. Yeah. They can buy technology. They can buy ear tags. They can buy robots. They can buy whatever. We all have access to that. But it's only the people who really tap into the potential of their people who are going to have a really a great, you know, advantage over others. <clears throat> and that's what, that's what unleashes, you know, a business. So I like to look at the cash flow from a, from a broader perspective than just the financial. But what are the things that affect it? You know, and so it could be disease issues on the farm, right? So that's where my veterinary comes out. It could be, where's your nutritionist at with the feeds? You know, I love your guys' approach with, <clears throat> we're going to select seed traits so we get the most value out of that corn because the cow's eating it. That's yeah. huge, right? So how do we, so those are all the pieces that go into this. So it's kind of, so it's a holistic approach to try and go, where are those opportunities at? And that's where the SWAT comes in and the four perspectives comes in, right? And it helps them. Right helps uncover those things so that it then goes and affects the cash flow. Absolutely. Yeah. That it all, it's all just ties together so much. And, um, you know, I think the great point there that you made was, you know, one of my favorite authors is a guy named Simon Sinek. He's written quite yes. a few books. Um, and, and, and basically one of his big things is your greatest asset is your people. Your biggest liability in any business is your people. And so um, an evaluation of that and how does it, you know, we look at cash flow as black and white and we look at it as a, a something we're pulling up a, on a spreadsheet, but there's, what are the factors that go into it? And you talked about everything's almost everything's tied to a person. And so is that person doing what they need to do? And uh, so that's a great, great point. And so as part of that, uh, kind of the last point here is, you know, are we doing regular meetings? Are we meeting with people? Well, you know, meetings, that word, sends like uh mixed emotions for a lot of people yep. um you know i've been i've been a part of organizations and and even in the, the master choice organization there's times when we i feel like we did meetings really well there's times when we probably had some pretty unnecessary meetings um that could have been done and in today's world i think we've learned uh maybe some things that that uh, normally would have been a meeting has been a uh, a phone call uh, because of everything going on, but talk, talk to me about that and talk to me specifically, you know, obviously from a dairy side, what's this look like? What do, what do we need to be evaluating when we're talking about meetings? Right. So this is often where you lose people, right? They're going, God, I hate meetings. And I, and I, I look talk, talk, talk to my clients and go, I love a good meeting and I hate a bad one. Well, what's a good meeting? So in my mind, meetings do two things. One is just a straight up communication thing. So it's, it's like, you see me on like, you're going to have a stand up, right? We're not going to sit down. We're not going to drink coffee. We're not going to BS. It's here's what's going on today, guys. What are the announcements? What went wrong yesterday that we've got to take care of today? Ready, break. It's like a football team huddle. It's literally, what's the, what's the play we're going to play today? Let's go execute. Yeah. And the next really reason uh, there's two more, but then was, we have issues, we have problems, so we should get together and solve them. So it's not some long agenda. The meetings I run, you know, I often run them for clients. I teach them how to run them is what are the wins? What are the 
key metrics that run this business and are we on track or off track? Right. And so it's phase smack cell count. If smack cell count is 250 and your goal is 200. It's off track. It's an issue. It goes on the issues list. We're going to discuss it and come up with, with how we're going to solve that. And we're going to have action items, which is by who, by when. So if it's mine, I'm on the line to get it done in seven days or a month, whatever it is. And I'm going to be, I can report back into that meeting next week with what I've done to move that SMAC cell count down to 200,000. So mm -hmm. you can't run and hide. You're in the room, the light's on, there's no corners, there's no shadows and everybody's in, right? And so everybody gets together to solve that issue. Well, that what happens is every week you're solving issues. So issues go away and you solve them. You find the next one, issues go away. You solve it, next one. And man, you just start to see the business move forward and everybody becomes responsible and accountable to where you want to go. And the last meeting is really like a quarterly meeting. Now we're talking more vision strategy. Right. Where are we going? What's up? What's on the horizon? Where are we going? This is where we develop what I call rocks, right? Rocks make mountains, but we only make a mountain a rock at a time. Mm -hmm. So now everybody comes in and, or leaves, right? We, I just did one of these yesterday and everybody left with two to three things they need to do based on where the owner said we're going. Right. And so they had their meeting, you know, it's middle October, late October. We've got 65 days to get this done. So they had to be, you know, so the goal for my goal, there was, we got to be laser focused. Don't take on too many things. What are we going to get done by the year end? Cause then we'll have an annual meeting, discuss where the, where we're going to go for the year. And you break that down into quarter by quarter pieces. <clears throat> and it's amazing how you can get your business moving and realize income goals and other goals, but you got to sit down and take the time, but they're focused. Right. We don't get off on long discussions. People don't just talk about the weather. We're here for a reason and we're going to solve issues or we're going to figure out what's going to take to move this business from A to B. That's it. That's all we're talking about. And everybody's on board and you get it done and you walk away and you start to go, wow, we got stuff done. And I communicated things in a really efficient manner. So instead of making 10 phone calls to all 10 people in the farm, I did it once in an hour and everybody heard the same message. Everybody's on the same page. Everybody heard what everybody said they're going to go do. Cause it's kind of like sitting in the exit row in Southwest airlines. You can't nod your head. It's yes, <laughs> I'll be in the exit row. Right? So you've committed. And once people commit, there's responsibility. And now we start to get things done and it's, it's really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's so good. That's good stuff. The, um, you know, the th and the other thing it does too, um, I can't remember if the article says this, but you, you basically say it is, um, you basically just said it is, it lets people know what's expected of them. Um, it gives them buy-in, you know, when, yeah. when, why I'm, you know, instead of just, just go do it, do it. Cause I said so versus, Hey, here's why I need you to do this because we're trying to, to lower our somatic cell count and you play a big part in that. Here's why I need you to do it. And here's why it matters. Um, I always use the example. I have a great example of it. Um, I was when, in this company actually early on in my career. I was terrible at expense reports. I mean, the worst, without a doubt. And uh, I traveled a lot, so I had a lot of expenses, a lot of receipts. And finally, one of the accountants comes to me, and she's like, "She's like, I don't think you understand how difficult this is." And it wasn't so much that I didn't have them; I was really tardy with them as far as getting them turned in. 
And she sits down and she's, I mean, just flat out says, you understand how much more difficult you're making my life. And she talks about why it mattered to her and why it was important. And, and just like a light bulb clicked. And I went from being probably the worst to probably the best or one of the best at making sure it was done, done correctly and done on time. And so because I gained an understanding and that's what you can accomplish with these meetings. So, yep. and so it, I think it, does, it also allows people to be heard because we may yes. not all agree. Right. So there's six of us in a room and, and one of us disagrees. But what ends up happening is because I got to voice my opinion and everybody got to voice theirs and somebody's got to make a decision. We go, well, we're not going to follow you. Most people are okay with, all right, I'm, I'll jump on board because you heard me. I got to say my thing. And at some point in time, you know, you guys are going to listen to what I say and somebody else is going to disagree, but we were heard. And we all, yes. and so that we, we know, because it's all, I use the analogy of my clients all the time. It's like the, it's like that eight person crew boat in the Olympics. There's eight people in there and they all better be rowing together and you can't drop your oar. You drop your oar, you'll whack somebody in the head, right? And with your expense report, you're whacking that accountant in the head. She's like, yep. hey, this hurts. You went, oh, I got to pick up my oar because I'm in the boat with these people. And that's what makes this boat go forward. And that's what we got to get across to our people. You're in the boat, grab your oar, row, baby, row. That's all. That's awesome. Great analogy. So so I think that, that comes down to the one big question is, uh, you know, whether somebody read your article or they heard this podcast or both. Um, and, and they're motivated. They say, you know what, this is good. I'm going to take action here. Where do they start? So one or two areas. One, you know, you sit down with a pad of paper in your quiet, you know, quiet your house, your office, you kick your feet up in the desk and you start to think and you start to write and you, and you got to determine what does winning look like for me? Why am I in this business? Like you mentioned Simon Sinek. And I love the guy because he talks to, there's a, the golden circle of there's the what, the why, and the how. We often know the what and the how, and we don't know the why. So you got to know your why, and you got to know what winning looks like. And if you can't get that done on your own, then you got to you got to hire a coach that can help help you walk through that, so you get that. Because once you know that, it is so powerful. It just unleashes you, and your business becomes enjoyable again. That makes a lot, a lot of sense. So, so Bruce, if somebody wanted to work with you, um, and uh, you know, I, I obviously I, I'm guessing just based on your conversation uh, that you are uh, a great person to work with. So, what? How would they get a hold of you? How do we get a hold of you, Bruce? Uh, so, phone's easy. You can text me right nine seven zero three nine seven four nine zero two. I'm based out of Colorado, out here in the country. Um, or my email is uh, Vandesteg Consulting, so it's B as in Bruce, Vandesteg at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. That's V-A-N-D-E-S-T-E-E-G, right? Yep, you got it. Consulting. All right, good, great. All right, well, Bruce, I really appreciate the time. I think we really got into some great stuff. I I know I enjoyed it, (laughs) and so uh, you, you definitely helped me, and I think that you know, dairies, uh, seedsmen, if you're listening to this, salespeople, turn your farms onto this for, for two reasons. One, they need to be doing it. Number two, it's going to make them long-term successful. And if that's a customer of yours, that's generally a good thing for you. And so let's make sure that, that dairies are looking at these things, having these conversations. And, and working on this stuff we don't want to we don't want to run it just like it's a hobby let's run it like it's a business absolutely because it's a 
You know, daring is a business is a good way of life. Daring is a way of life is poor business. Ooh, yep, absolutely. So, all right, Bruce, thanks a lot. Uh, we're going to end this podcast. We appreciate your time, and we'd love to have you on again sometime if you don't mind. Oh, love it, guys. Enjoyed it. Thank all you. All right. Thanks a lot, Bruce.